Welcome to Yella Mensa exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yella Mensa is a ministry of Isvambano Center for Biblical Justice. I'm your host, David Kluter. Drum roll, everyone. And with me is John Skippers. Hey, John, everybody. Man. Everybody, how you doing? Yep, yep, yep. So, guys, today we're going to be talking about Jesus' somewhat controversial yeah. statement um, that the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Um, but before we're going to do that, I have an important announcement to make. You guys heard this last time yep. we, we spoke, the 4th of April. The 4th, 4th of, of April. April. We're going to have our Vision Night mm-hmm. at Common Ground Church at 1900 hours. 1900 hours, it. guys. Be there. Book the date. Come and celebrate with us about what God has been doing over the past year. Some incredible stories, uh, just testimonies, how the Lord has been working through yep. us, in Amen. us, uh, in partnership with, with, with all of you guys. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, listening to this, you, you we we consider you a partner Absolutely. in the gospel, yeah. a partner in, in the gospel. So come and hear more about the exciting vision of Isabambano uh, as we ex- ex- expand and and grow over the over the following year. Yeah, uh, there's some exciting things coming up. Uh, we and so we're asking you um, to book your place using Quicket and a 20 rand donation. If cash is is an issue for you, uh, drop us a line uh, and come anyway. Please, yeah. please, please come anyway. We'll come, come anyway. you. We'll come you. Don't yes, worry. yes, 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 yeah. yes. Uh, uh, we will put all the details um, in the bio following yeah. this this podcast. Yeah. Connect David, with us. I'm Connect hoping with us. that we have a room full, a hall full of friends, of supporters, mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. who are excited about Ispaman, who've been a part of that. Sure. If you've been impacted in any way, come along. Yeah. Uh, we want this to be a celebration. Yep. Uh, if you've got people you think should be a part of yep. that, Please invite your that. friends, your that. friends' friends, your friends, mas, aunties, friends. <laughs> Bring them all. <laughs> Bring them. Uh, we want. We want to share the vision of Ispamara. We're excited about what God is doing. We, yeah. We've heard from mm. so many of you guys that you are too. So Please, let's Please, let's guys. let's let's celebrate. Let's dream together. Mm. Please make every effort to be there. Oh man. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and yep. uh, yeah as John said please please just invite as many people as you can please you be there yeah. and if there, if, please if you have guys who are struggling with, with an understanding of, of just justice in general yeah um, we, we, this is also an opportunity for them to see that there are real people relationships behind mm. these things and yes. people have stories to tell yeah. and we want to introduce them to these people and so that they can understand that that, that this ministry is, 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 is really partnering with, with, with the Lord Jesus and, and this country and saying we want to we wanna see this, this, this country of ours uh, be impacted by the gospel the yeah. saving gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, in a meaningful tangible uh, real way true um, True. So, guys, please, mm. please, please get out there. Get your tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into our topic. The poor you will always have with you, Oof. but you will not always have me. That's John chapter 12, verse 8. Matthew chapter 26, verse 11. Uh, that's Mark chapter 14, verse 17. Yeah. Uh, guys, so this passage or, or the saying of Jesus has often been used to justify uh, non, non-involvement of the church with social justice mm. uh, or poverty alleviation or to make proclamation or preaching uh, the priority of the church, often effectively uh, at the expense of caring for the poor or working for a more just community. 
And so the argument goes something like this. In this passage, we see the disciples advocating for care for the poor, for some just system. But Jesus refuses to be distracted with those seemingly good things, instead establishing a priority for his ministry as preaching and worship. Um, And seemingly establishing a, a, a definite hierarchy or priority between caring for the poor and justice and preaching and worshiping mm. of Jesus. I don't know what you guys have thought about this passage. Mm. I don't know what you guys have even engaged on that question right. as you looked at the passage. Uh, but let's get into this. Right. Let's, let's let's get into this. John, I, I have a question for you. Can can you give us a bit of a background to the actual passage? Mm. What is going on uh, that prompted Jesus to utter these words? Yeah, so we have slightly different accounts in, the th- in three of the Gospels. So mm-hmm. in Matthew, Mark, and John. And then there's a hint that there might be a similar account in Luke. But we're not sure if that's a separate incident or not. So we're going to leave Luke to one side mm-hmm. for now. But just to kind of give an amalgamation of those those three accounts is yeah. we definitely see that it's it's in Bethany, mm-hmm. uh, the, the same place where Mary and Martha lived, where mm-hmm. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh-huh. And it seems like he's on his way to Jerusalem. When he's there, he goes to a, a, a dinner held in his honor at the house of, of Simon the leper, uh, probably a leper, a, probably a man who did suffer from leprosy mm-hmm. and possibly to get that kind of name, possibly for a long time. There was something really um, significant about his yeah. suffering as opposed to other people who maybe also suffered with similar mm-hmm. disease. He's been cured. Quite possibly Jesus healed him. We know Jesus healed many lepers. Um, and so there's this, there's this banquet uh, this this well maybe like banquet. There's this dinner in his honor. We don't know exactly how many people are there, mm-hmm. but at some point a woman comes in. John identifies the woman as Mary, uh, Mary Martha's sister, and she comes in with this, this container of perfume, and it's expensive. It's 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 identified as nard, which is the same as actually as myrrh, mm. which is similar to what one of the the three the magi bought. To Jesus. Yes. So this is clomp expensive. Yeah. This is not your CK1 sample that you got at <laughs> Edgar's or whatever. This is the... Yeah. St- this the is like, standing on the side. Yeah, the, the, the no, aisle, this is this the is real is deal. Sure. This is possibly even an investment in the family somewhere. Yo. There's some family riches. It's a significant object. Yeah. And she comes and she breaks that perfume. And I think if we put the stories together, it seems she puts some on Jesus' head, some on his feet, yeah. all over him. She... And the words actually uses she anoints him, mm. which is which is also significant given that it seems to be on this journey to Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, John puts it right right yeah. before Jesus' crucifixion, a couple of days before, um, and she anoints him. There's mm-hmm. a recognition of his kingship. kingship. Yeah. Um, and so what happens is now obviously you got this expensive perfume being just put on Jesus' head on say footer <laughs> on his feet. I mean, yeah. So they is obviously some people are saying, what What a waste. Yep. What a waste. And oh, and just by the way, when you break the perfume in the old days, in, in those days, you, you had to use the whole thing. It yep. wasn't like, it wasn't something that you could just put the stopper in and use for the, you yep. know, the next time you got a hot date or whatever. No. So yeah. often using burial as well, hence the, yes, yes, yes. the yeah. investment. So mm. she breaks this and everyone's going, what a waste. Couldn't that money have been taken? Now we hear there's some grumbling and they start. So in, in Matthew, it kind of says, I think Matthew, I think he says some people, yep. you know, and in, in, in Mark, I think he said the disciples were grumbling. Yep. And in John, John it's specifically, it's, it's Judas. Judas. Yep. So 
However that works, I mean, that's probably Judas, and I think there was probably some yeah. agreement from others. I think mm. Judas was speaking what others were feeling, yeah. possibly. So, And they start saying, couldn't that money have been better used to sell the perfume? If you're not going to use it for burial or whatever, sell yeah. the money and give it to the poor. Yeah. And you know what? That's a, that's a very good the argument. Yeah. A part of me is going, yeah, yeah I'm with Judas on this uh, one. Yes, yeah. I'm agreeing with that. And... And particularly because it was around the time of the Passover where it is customary to give generous gifts of alms to the poor. Oh, yeah. So people are thinking about that. People are hmm. considering that. And here comes this woman. She wastes this perfume, putting on Jesus' feet of all places, on his head, at a time when everyone else is sacrificing to give gifts to the poor. Yeah. So that's, that's what's going on here. Now, we know, of course, from John's account, that Judas was also, he mm. was dipping his money, his hands into mm. the money bag. So he yeah. was thinking, if, some, if that money can be sold, I can skim a cut. Yep. Yes. So we know his motives were yep. not pure. But I think there was a, but he's also, I think we, 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 we must see Judas is a smart guy. He's a white collar criminal, yeah. Yeah. He's not a, mm. So he's, think, he's, he's expressing things that other people are thinking and feeling. Sure. So that, that he can gain acceptance for the idea. Yeah. So I think it's a general agreement. Like, what What a waste. Yeah. Um, I mean, John and, says that he actually did not care yes, about the poor. Yes. I mean, it's quite, he did not he care. He did not care about the poor. But I think others, he but he maybe is yes. using that excuse yeah. to kind of play off the emotions of others. I yeah. Mean. And we've seen that yeah. before. We see mm. that all the time. Yep. Um, yep. So, but even that, I'm going, it's a good argument. <laughs> like, I'm kind of in agreement <laughs> there. Why? And Jesus comes to the defense of the woman. Yeah, And in response to that, he says a couple of things. He says, she saw, she kind of has some feeling for what is about to happen. She has anointed my body to prepare it for burial. She has an idea of the death. I don't know how much she understood. Yeah. And possibly because of the nature of his death, because of the nature of his burial, there wouldn't be time to do it properly. Yeah. So it's almost in advance. There's, there's something tied up with salvation, something tied up with the atonement going yeah. on here. Hmm. But at the same time, Jesus, then he says the statement, he says, but you know what? You will always have the poor among you. Yeah. But you won't always have me. John, I, I know I know that you <laughs> you disagree mm. uh, with not only the way in which this passage has been interpreted, uh, but actually uh, you also I know you disagree with, with 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 the method, right? Which has been used to arrive at this particular interpretation. Right. Uh, can you please unpack that? Yeah. Um, so, so I is this think from where you coming from. So, I think the two things is I think one it's we the this common interpretation that you you introduced at the beginning, saying that we we choosing that yeah. seems here Jesus is uh -huh. choosing between social action or caring for the poor and between uh, proclamation. proclamation. And one is my, my first question is I think that that kind of neat division mm -hmm. where it's coming from a a an exegesis an exegetical point that's coming from a point of privilege. It's very easy to do that. When we are coming from a point where we've never struggled, where we've never had, uh, we've never gone hungry, where we've never um, struggled for cash, we've never wondered where our next meal, where mm -hmm. our next paycheck is coming from, it's very easy to make that distinction. Yeah. If you are someone who's really struggled with that, sure. you're going to resonate with Judas's question a lot more. You're going to start going, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm hungry. We don't, my kids don't have school, school. fees. Yeah. We like, my, we were been out of work for a long time. We can't find work. Yeah. And what a waste. Yeah. What? I mean, do you know what we could do with that money? Sure. So I think that's the one thing you, we jump to that easy mm. division very quickly, quickly. Yeah. because we don't know what it's like to be in need. Yeah. 
So that's my first question. I think when we read the Bible with the poor, with the marginalized, we have to sit with that question a lot more. Because they uncomfortable. come from a different... Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, so that's my first thought. Mm-hmm. And my second thought is I think, and, and probably the two are linked, yep. is we, we are not, we don't actually take account for the whole canon of Scripture. We're not mm. looking at the whole biblical picture when we do that. Yeah. Um, and I think po- possibly that's because it's easy to go to the easy answer. It's yeah. easy to go to what really matters is preaching and proclamation and not social justice and caring for the poor. Yeah. And those things are at best a, a, an implication, at best a, 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 maybe a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, at worst, that's almost a betrayal, yeah. you know, of Jesus' message. Sure. But when we're sitting in that, in that proximity, we start to go, what's going on here? There's more sure. going on here. And then we start looking at the whole bu- biblical story. Yeah. And we start to see some interesting things. Yeah. At this point, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing somebody sitting there, a person of color in mm-hmm. a South African context, who says, yeah, but I'm not coming from a position of privilege. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying, but as I look at this, I, I can definitely see how somebody could say, actually, that Jesus is saying you've been focusing on the lesser things. Right. Let us get on to the big things. I mean, right. the poor and then here's the atonement. And as a person of color, a person who's not coming from a pers- from a position of privilege, but I, I almost want to agree with that interpretation okay. of what Jesus is saying. Right. If if you listening and you thinking, yeah, maybe it's a bit of a stretch, John, what you're saying. Here, here's the other thing. I think we underestimate the the theology that we have inherited, and we make these distinctions of mm. of um, focusing on preaching at the expense of or 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 at the back of saying, yeah, we'll get to that at some yeah. point. The yeah. other the poor stuff, but let us focus on this because yeah. this is the important thing. Right. Um, I think sometimes there's a theology that we inherit. Our theology always has a context. Yeah. And we have to ask ourselves the question, who did we learn our theology from? Yep. And that's not a bad thing. It's not yep. to it's not to wipe off everything that comes from a privileged context. I think we can yep. learn from that. But it's also to say that there are blind spots. There are things they won't see. There are mm-hmm. things they will not, not do well. Because mm-hmm. God has given us each other. Who am I learning this from? Is there an agenda there that they're not even aware of? Is yep. there a worldview mm-hmm. they're not even aware of? Yep. Um, so let me just look at that. Let me understand that. Sure. I don't have to write them off. We don't have to cancel them. I know I'm tempted. But we can say... Yeah. They they haven't got this. And yeah. that's okay because none of us have the whole truth of God. Yes. We all need each other to better yeah. understand scripture. We we discussed this uh that at one angle, uh, right. exegesis of, of privilege. Let's look at the other one. Uh oh, the whole canon of scripture right. in its interpretation. I, I think one of the key thing to notice is mm-hmm. that phrase the poor you'll always have with you. It's actually, it's a quotation. It's an allusion. Maybe, yeah. maybe I don't know if it's a direct quotation, but certainly an allusion to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Um, sure. And so, and there's two hmm. things going on there. Deuteronomy 15 verse 4 is very interesting. God gave, well, before that, God's giving his laws. He's mm-hmm. rescued them from, from Egypt. He's brought them through the Exodus. They're on the edge of the promised land. God's been giving his law. And as he gives the law, he explains them what it's like to live mm-hmm. as God's people in God's place under God's rule. And in Deuteronomy 15 verse 4, he comes to this point, he says, in, a se- in essence, if you follow these laws and if you live in this way, there should be no poor in the land amongst mm-hmm. among you in the land. There should be no poor among you. I mean, yeah. That's a bold statement. Sure. But that's what it means to live as God's people. Mm. Okay, And that's what the intention of God's laws are. I mean, that should at least... 
prick our ears up and go, the intention of God's law is that there's no poor amongst you. And in fact, we see he designs that with the way he yeah. distributes the land. Each family, each clan, each unit has means to... Um, to, to the means to provide for themselves, the means yep. to provide for their family, the means to care for the poor, the means to care for their neighbor. Mm-hmm. They have access to yep. the means to care for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's God's people living under God's rule in God's place. That's what it ought to look like. Mm-hmm. But God also knows the reality of sin. He knows that he's still part of the salvation story. Sure. And so by verse 11, he says, but the poor you will always have among you. And they seem like a contradiction, mm-hmm. but it's saying you ought not to. Ought to. But I know the reality of sin, so you will always have the poor amongst you. And then what do we see God doing in that context and in other similar passages like the law of Jubilee, the law of Sabbath that we find in Leviticus? Sure. What do we see God doing? We see he institutes systems and practices, deliberate systems designed to make sure that the cycle of poverty does not not continue, that it's broken, that the poor can, can be released from economic debt. Yeah. After every seven years, that slaves are set free after every seven years, and in those days, slavery and economics—you, you pretty much, unless you were captured as a prisoner yeah. of war, you became a slave via economics. Yes. So, yeah. every seven years, it's yeah. in, there's a, this liberation; the chains yeah. are broken. Yeah. We see in Jubilee that after every 50 years, the land is returned to its original inhabitants. So the way that God originally divided up the land to provide access for everyone to have the means to provide mm-hmm. for themselves. So maybe one generation, you, you know, you make a stupid mistake, you make a sinful uh, mistake, you do, you know, you do something that causes your family to lose the land. Yeah. This is not going to happen for hundreds and hundreds of years of your family being caught in the cycle wow. of poverty. Mm. God is saying we will break that. And that's good news. I mean, I just think about like areas in South Africa where mm. it's generational. We've spoken before, like these kids who have never been out of Malenburg, who have never been out of the Cape Flats, for instance. This is their whole world. And they get caught up in that similar yeah. cycle. And we would say, how do we break that cycle? Break and God cycle. says, amongst my people, yes, I recognize that you will always have the poor amongst yeah. you. They ought not to be. So I'm going to put practices in place to mm-hmm. mitigate against your sin. Yeah. So when we see that passage in this Deuteronomy context, it's profoundly about caring for the poor, not just in charity, but actually about breaking the cycles Cycles. of poverty and putting rules and laws and systems in place that are more just. That's what's going on there. Yes. When Jesus quotes that, He's wanting us to think back to that verse. Yep. Now that changes our interpretation yes. a little bit, does it not? It, it does. In John's mind, he never envisaged Jesus saying, I don't care about the poor. I mean, you're in Simon the leper's household. You are in um, Lazarus's household. Uh, what this would have meant for these women is that somebody who, who, who's a, who's a, who brings in economic wealth, who brings in food, who through his labor and right. all these kinds of things. Even when he heals, there's implications to, right. to that. And so the wholeness that Jesus brings to right. these people is not just spiritual, huh. but it's a physical, it's an economical, yeah. tangible wholeness that right. he brings right. to these families. Right. Uh, and the same you can say for, for Simon the leper's family, right. uh, the implications these things would have had. And so Jesus actually did care about that. Absolutely. And so when he makes the statement, I mean, at one point he even says, uh, you will always have the poor amongst you and you will always have time to take care of them. Exactly. And if we look at the Deuteronomy passage, that's the normative thing you should be, be doing. doing. Yes. In fact, that's what, I, that's what my kingdom is about, yeah. is making sure that the normative thing you're doing yeah. is caring for the poor, not just in handouts, mm-hmm. but in changing and putting in place systems. Sure. Particularly amongst the people of God, I think yep. you can say. Yeah. But also recognizing people of God live in a broader society. Yeah. So where we have... 
means to change that, we ought to be doing it. Jesus is saying, if you really care about the mm. poor, what are you doing now? That is that is that is profound because I mean Deuteronomy will go on later about the person who's from um, from another country, foreigners coming into Israel is like the way you treat them, incorporate them into the system and understanding right. of how you treat the poor because exactly. their in- economic implications, social yes. implications of these people coming into Israel, coming into the community right. of faith, you know. But somebody would come back and say, but it it still kind of makes Jesus seem a bit heartless uh, and, and and wasteful, doesn't it? Yeah. Saying like. Yeah, but now focus focus on me and let, let the perfume just go. Yeah. Like, is there is there anything to that? I think this is a particular, is very particular historically bound incident. Mm. It's something that happens just as Jesus is is heading towards the cross, and Jesus he makes the link between yeah. his burial. Is there something unique happening here? This is not the norm for the church. This is not the norm for the mission of God. In fact, Jesus says the norm is the poor you'll always have with you. What's happening here is something beautifully, wonderfully once in in the whole of history unique. And he's saying there is space for celebration. There is space for worship. She, in some sense, intuits, recognizes that something unique is happening here, and it's a lavishing of praise, an outpouring of love. In our caring for the poor, in our fight Mm. for justice, in our mission of the church, there's got to be space, and we've spoken about this, there's got to be space for for dancing, for singing, for celebration, for extravagant worship sometimes. We we are human beings. We are Mm. made in the image of God. We, We can't just exist as like these kind of robotic people. Yeah. So there's, you know what? There's space sometimes if you're working for justice, there's space sometimes to take a holiday. Yeah. Like to spend money that you could have spent on something and saying, well, I need, I need to go for a holiday. And yeah, I, I think there, yeah. there's space for that. There's space sometimes just for extravagant worship. And that's what this woman is doing. How then do we interpret this passage in terms of our priority right. uh, for the church and for missions? So, so first of all, when we go back, so remember we saw that jubilee language jubilee, earlier. Yeah. We saw that that, that that it's it's got to do with the year of canceling debt, but those are all linked together. The yeah. the year of of releasing the slaves, the jubilee year, that's all linked together as a kind of one example of what it means to yeah. live as God's people. When Jesus comes, he explicitly uses jubilee language. Luke chapter four and other places. There's tons of allusions yes, throughout yes. the Gospels. Yeah. We read that, and Jesus uses that language in in essence saying. The new jubilee is coming. The jubilee that yeah. you were never able to have, the, the thing that sin kept um, blocking, that you will always have the poor amongst you, he's saying, I'm instituting that now. So yeah. one day, with starting now, broken in this jubilee is now inaugurated, but one day in fullness, yeah. there will be, do you know what? There will be no more poor amongst us. Yeah. There really will. There will be no yeah. more poor in the land. Yeah. There'll be no more hungry kids. Yeah. There'll be no abandoned kids. There'll be no... Uh, homelessness. There'll be no people uh, out of work. Hmm. I mean, all these these things that are just that are so plague our society. Yeah. They will be. They'll go, be gone. But now it's broken in now. That is the norm. Hmm. Is this this jubilee community? Now we do two things in in the light of that. We declare it. Yep. We tell the world. We say the the one that all those promises, all all the, those beautiful yep. images we see in the Old Testament. He's here. Yeah. He's yeah. here. It's here. It's Jesus. It's all coming true. We proclaim it. So we do evangelism. Obviously, we want to tell people about the king. But we also live that. Yeah. We live in such a way as we live as if there's no poor amongst us. Sure. 
we, we but we also recognize that there's still sin amongst us. So we also in that now and the not yet, we're in that Deuteronomy, somewhat in that Deuteronomy still because of our sinfulness. Yeah. And so we can say we also build structures and systems that make sure, sure we're caring for the poor amongst sure. us. And you know what we see? This is exactly what we see the, the early church doing, isn't it? Yeah. Acts 4.34. You can look there. Yeah. There's those beautiful pictures of what, what the life of the church looks like. Yeah. And there's this phrase in there that I'm hoping you're going to recognize now that they were giving generously and that some were selling lands to care for the poor and all this. And that there was no poor among them. Luke, as he writes, wants us to make the link between Deuteronomy 15 and Acts 4. He wants to say that the church understood their identity as, in part, in weakness now, that that beautiful jubilee picture that Jesus inaugurated, it's coming about. The normal thing is that you declare the king of the jubilee and you live in such a way. And that's exactly what the church understood. The poor you will always have amongst you, you can always help them. Yeah, let's do that. Do we need to make that distinction between like social just social action and proclamation? Well, that's where the question comes down. And when we look at the scripture, what do we see? It's it's it's, it's unfolding. It's happening. And I think and I love this idea that you say context. Mm. And I think context helps us also that are, that there are certain instances where it will be required, and it and it not will be required, but it's you are, you are almost forced to because of the context just to. To be hospitable towards someone, yeah, um, and sometimes in some contexts, in some situations, the opportunity to share the gospel actually doesn't come, right? And I think uh, Scripture allows for 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 us to be free in that our good works can speak for themselves, but when there is when there's opportunity at every time and every yeah. opportunity that it comes, we need to verbalize it, right. we need to get this out there. Mm. And in Acts chapter four, you you go two two chapters later, Acts chapter six, you yes. get this massive passage where, and people often use that passage, Acts chapter six. Then you say like, yeah, the apostles uh, here they were, and and there was this quarrel among the Greek Jews and the and the Hebraic Jews, Hebrews, and they were fighting against the Greek Jews, were saying we're not getting. Now food and right. these guys are not the distributing widows. the, the widows. Yeah. They're not distributing uh, equally amongst yeah. us, and the apostles are almost. Going so is that like, an injustice issue? I'm just asking. <laughs> it's it's there. It sounds it's like there, it, huh? Yeah. And 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 the apostles come in and they say like, uh, we need to give ourselves to prayer and the preaching of the word. And people use that as well as saying yes. like, oh no, there's these two, you know, polar opposites. And, right. and the apostles saying, no, this is more important than that. And and I don't see that from that yeah. passage. What I see is them saying, let us appoint seven godly, spirit-filled men who, yeah. are, who, who will love God's people yeah. and who will make sure that justice and, and equity and, and, and love yes. is, is exemplified within the church. And that is that is that is happening uh, not at the expense of, of, of preaching the gospel, yeah. not at the expense of loving one another exactly. tangibly yeah. with our goods and with our, yeah. with our, with our material things. Mm. And, and then you get into Both Stephen's. Matter. And you get into Stephen's account. Yeah. Uh, Stephen has this long sermon, and you see Stephen preaching. But before Stephen goes to the council and he starts preaching, yeah. you have Stephen performing wonders. Yeah, he performs miracles, and 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 the two sort of goes together. And, exactly. And, and and he and he embodies what the kingdom looks like yes. through the church, and what the right. church actually have to concern itself. Right. We're not looking at people's physical, material needs and saying that. Oh, that's something on the side. Yeah. Let's let's get to Stephen's miracle, or let's yeah. get let's get to Stephen's yeah. preaching, because that's where the heart yeah. of the thing is. It's saying like, this is what it means to be gospel people. Exactly. It's that recognition that mm. we will naturally, because we are human, sinful, mm. fallible, we will ignore certain parts or downplay, or they won't seem as mm. significant to us. Mm. But when you're reading 
with someone who's different than you, someone who has a proximity to pain, to marginalization, to poverty. They're yeah. reading that stuff and they're saying, hey, these guys were feeding people equally. Yeah. They made sure everyone is getting food. You know what? I've lived in a context my whole life where everyone doesn't equally get food. Yeah. I like that. That's good news. Mm. I want to know more about that, Jesus. We see, I'm, for me, I've never had to queue for food. I've never had to get few, food handouts. And I'm, I'm coming from working class stock. So yeah. I'm not wealthy, but I've, we've always had food in our hearts. Honestly, I don't, most of my life, I've never really read that. Yeah. I focused on the preaching aspect. Sure. But until you have a proximity to people who are poor, you're going, hey, wait. Yeah. I know people who would be right there queuing for that food, waiting for that food, and feeling that injustice. Yeah. And if you just kind of said, oh, we need to, uh, some people, okay, you know, find three doppy oaks or yeah. some people who we don't know what else to do with them in the church. So we give them this job. Wow. You know, like you're going to, it's going to create more chaos, first of all. Yeah. Secondly, you're going to feel exactly like that neglected. They yeah. don't. Hmm. They choose seven high caliber seven people. Yeah. These are the people you would send to Bible college, you're having your leadership program, <laughs> you know, whatever. And they're saying, these are the people that we see is so yeah. significant. So you want to tell me again why why one is seen as more important than the other? Because I don't see that. Yeah, I see the disciples saying, we have been given this job. As eyewitnesses of Jesus, of the resurrection, that's our oh, job. Yeah. And actually, if we try and do this job, we will do neither well. Yeah. So let us focus on our job and empower those who can do this yes. job well because this job also yeah. matters. Yep. And the fact that the church is described as no poor amongst us means that they're seeing the church as the fulfillment of Deuteronomy. Yeah. That's part of the identity of the church. Yeah. Not just a nice to have, yeah. not just an implication of the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just a uh, you know, a, maybe a distraction or yeah. a, when we've done preaching, we can also no, it's integral to the identity. identity. I mean, there's so much in the Bible, especially yeah. with, with with regards to the apostles. I mean, in Acts, in Galatians chapter two, yes, and and Paul's like he talks about his his ministry, his word ministry, apostolic word ministry, mm. and, he, and he pulls in all the other apostles and saying, you know, this Peter was sent here, I was sent here, the Gentiles, the Jews, and we and we we had word gospel ministry. But right. then at the end, there he goes like, but we had one thing in common. Right. All of us, all the, the, the major guys that yeah. you would think, Peter, John, yeah. James, we had one thing in common. Do not neglect the poor. Even then, I mean, just think of Paul's collection for the poor, right? Yeah. He spends a significant amount of time in his ministry going around wow, and collecting, collecting. money. Yeah. All over the Mediterranean, yeah, yeah. he himself is bringing Romans that gift. And 16. Yeah, yeah, he himself is bringing that gift. Yeah. He is making sure they are representatives of every part of the church. That's a racial, economic kind of wow. unity yeah. so that they can take this gift to the poor in Jerusalem. So how is the unity of the church so demonstrated? demonstrated. Yeah. Through racial, racial. economic wow. solidarity. Wow. And you actually go and look how much of Paul's letters is taken up with the speaking about the collection and how much of his time is spent gathering the collection. That idea that Paul, Mm. all Paul was doing was going around and preaching the gospel, which he was. And we stand on that. And if anyone wants to discount us, we are, we want to see the gospel preached. Okay. But that's not all he does. Mm. He also spends a lot of time working on this collection. Mm. We want to make this distinction. We want to divide things that God never divides. That, that's problematic, and I don't think it's coming from the Bible. Mm. 
I think it's coming from our context. Yeah. And I think it's coming from our theology, which is yeah. very often coming from a point of privilege. Yeah. And so we need the church in, in the marginalized and the poorer communities to stand up and say, brother, sister, how are you reading the word? Because I'm not seeing this. Yeah. I'm seeing mm-hmm. what Paul's doing. I'm seeing what the apostle's doing. And it's not what you're saying. I mean, yeah. you're not all wrong, but you skew. You, yeah, you skew something. here. You're missing something. And I want to labor this point. It's coming to many of uh, uh, our brothers of color and saying that, listen, maybe I need to check my theology. Yeah. And I need to and I, I need to investigate and ask serious questions because we we inherited a, a theology that 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 says uh, soul over the body and we need to ask ourselves where do our theology fall short? Don't look at the text and say yeah, but the text says without asking yourselves, but how am I interpreting the yes. text and am I reading what right. all of Scripture are saying and yes. not going to your favorite verses and mm. but 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 actually asking real hard uh, questions about yeah. my biblical theology. Right. And where it's inherited from I mean, where, yeah. and what the method you're using. Because yeah. none of us comes to the Bible neutral. Mm. Um, and I think we just, we have to make peace yeah. with that. Uh, we, we have to realize we come from a position. Hmm. Um, we, we are not God. We are not omniscient. Wow. And that's why we need each other. Need it's each not other. just like a nice thing like, hey, I'm going to get David to kind of... Yeah. Help my theology along, make it a little bit rich. It's like we need each other because yeah. otherwise I'm going to miss stuff. Yeah. I'm going to miss important stuff yep. because I'm sinful. I want to miss, miss important it. stuff. Yeah. And same with you. We yeah. need each other. each other. That's the body imagery. Yeah. And we, we need to reclaim that. And, and that's going to help us to yeah. keep these parts of the gospel together yeah. and stop trying to divide. Yep. Well, God doesn't divide. Yep. I mean, you just answered that question for me. The, the, how do we understand this relationship between evangelism Right. social action. Just briefly, just how do, how do you bring these two things together? Then? Okay, so first of all, I, I want to acknowledge that I think this is probably for me one of the the toughest debates and the most fruitful debates, debates yeah. I think that's been going on. I think as evangelicals, I think Lausanne Conference in 74 put that front and center on the table. Yeah. And at that point, we have to give credit, we have to give thanks to theologians coming from the majority world, um, uh, Rene Padilla and Samuel Escobar. But the problem is Lausanne acknowledge the togetherness of social action and evangelism, but they never define that relationship. In one sense, that's understandable because I think it is a question that is that has a lot of debate around it. Yeah. I think very simply, I think, and I think this comes out of Lausanne as well, we understand social action and gospel proclamation as as two arms of a, of a pair of scissors. Yeah. Um, and I mm. think that's neither one works well without the other. They, they need each other. Together, you don't have a pair of scissors. We we need them together. Yeah. We need to stop trying to divide them. They they belong together. Yeah, they are integral. Some would say, and I think this has been some of the debate would mm-hmm. say that there is a certain priority towards evangelism. Mm-hmm. I'm not all that comfortable with that. I can agree with it a little bit sure. because I think in order for people to live Christianly, they need to be Christians. Yeah, but I think in our work as a church, I think we. We've got to be very hesitant about dividing them because I think history has shown us that when you put priority to either one of those, yeah. you effectively, and I'm not saying people would hold this, but effectively the ministry very often becomes more, it comes almost exclusively. So where we put the priority on proclamation, we, we almost effectively don't do much social action yeah. justice. Mm-hmm. And likewise, where we put the, the priority on the emphasis on, on mm-hmm. social social action, we actually see evangelism it's fall away. And I'm saying, let's keep them together. Let's not choose priority. Let's say yeah. both and yeah. fight for both together. Yeah. Uh, when I think of the mission of the church, Stott goes through that John passage 
as the Father sent me, so I sent you. And then he asked questions of, look at the ministry of, of yes. Jesus itself, himself. And you see that exemplified in his life and, mm. and even at the cross when he says to John, take care of my mom. Yeah. He's always having this concern of yeah. as he's dying for the sins of the world. My mom, he's, who's he's, a widow, who's a widow. For me, uh, one of the things that I always look back on uh, is Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Uh, we, often say, we often start with the therefore, go and make disciples. Yeah. So there's a therefore, what went before that? Yeah, what's the there? What's what, the therefore? Therefore, yes. What is yeah, the therefore? The therefore. <laughs> so, but he, so, what does he say before that? Yeah. He comes onto a mountain. You get the sense in which he's saying that. Listen, sermon on the mount. Remember, right, right. I've never made that. I'm, I'm having this another discipleship training, telling you what is this community looks like. <laughs> right, right. And then he says, "All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go then forth and make disciples, teaching them everything that I." That right. I taught and commanded you, right? And and I will be with you in the midst of these things. Yeah. So if we have that understanding, that listen, Jesus is Lord over everything in heaven and earth, mm-hmm. and He has a desire for people to be to be redeemed. He has a desire for people to live justly, right? As He is the 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 one who's the true ruler of heaven and earth, right? And all authority has been given to Him. How does it look for me to love my neighbor with my stuff? How does it look for the church to do this thing? Right. And and we need to think of discipleship in that holistically, sense, yeah. holistically yeah. in that sense and so for me what it comes down to is when i think of disciple when i think of evangelism and social justice or, or social action i think of discipleship yeah that's good and how jesus embodies that mm. what does a true disciple look like yeah it's giving you of yourself it's giving of of the word it's giving of everything that you yeah. own and have and saying jesus i give it to you that's far more radical than how we sometimes mm. interpret that guys i hope you guys have been challenged by this yeah. we certainly have been challenged Ooh. by this we 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 about to sign out yep uh, you guys always can check us out on, on Twitter. Yeah, give us some feedback. Yeah, on man, come on, guys. Give us some feedback. Like, yeah. share, follow Yellow Mensa. Yeah. Yellow Mensa, yeah, let's have come on board there, with Yellow yeah. Mensa. Let's have the discussions there. Mm. Uh, I don't just want you guys to engage with John or me. I want you guys to engage with us collectively. Yeah, as a community. As a community. So yeah. follow us on Twitter at Yellow Mensa. Uh, and don't forget that Yellow Man's is now both on iTunes and on Spotify. And so go as usual on SoundCloud. Right? And on SoundCloud. And on SoundCloud. So go uh, and give us a rating over there. Uh, give us some likes mm. uh, and engage, as we said, and engage, 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 engage. Mom man, John, yep. uh, we're going to sign out. But guys, I want to give props to Exilic Music. As always. For, for, for supporting us. For, for being in our corner mm. and you can check them out because this audio was produced by them Exilic Music you can check them out on www.exilic.co.za mm. those guys are doing phenomenal work yes. in partnership with us and other things that they are doing so yeah. please go and check them out John yep we got work to do